What's going on? Welcome to Totally Blitz Podcast. We're breaking down and recapping UFC 288 Sterling and Cejudo. And before we jump into it, as always, go down, like, and subscribe, comment what you thought of the card and everything in between. I'm Paul Picklewin of Concha, and I'm joined with... Hey, man, you already know it's your boy, Kev. Waterboy Savoy, a.k.a. the Street Fighter Enthusiast, a.k.a. that motherfucker in that Miami Heat jersey, because we just stay winning, <laughs> Marcus. But, um... UFC 288, man. Went to Jersey with it. Oh, this was an interesting card. Let's, I mean, I, we're going to talk something crazy quick before we go too deep. The crowd, the crowd, the crowd, the crowd. They said they were hailing booze all night. And I was like, the fuck? Yeah, they, they were hailing booze. They actually seem to be one of the more uh, smarter crowds, I would say, because a lot of crowds that hate on like the ground game, like, it was kind of, we could go over it more when we talked to fight, but like Cron Gracie on it, like he did like one little thing on the ground and usually like the crowd wouldn't give a fuck. But when Cron Gracie made that little adjustment on the ground, the whole crowd, he heard the gas was like, <gasps> throughout the arena. And it was kind of like, oh, this crowd actually watches MMA. They know that like Cron Gracie's not someone to be like, like his ground game is the equivalent of like a knockout for somebody. Like, I'm just like, okay, this, this is a crowd that actually knows what they're watching. Like, but then of course, come later in that fight they were definitely hailing booze at crown grace so like it was it was a fun crowd yeah man they booed my dog my dog Aljamain event in the main event it is very what 20 minutes from the city 20 minutes from i was shocked when i saw that i would i was kind of took it back when i saw that you know you know what's crazy so it's a known fact i would listen to music during the fights most of the time unless people are over so i'm usually just listening to music vibing I did. I thought when I heard that they booed him, I heard they were saying that in the crowd, and I looked up and I seen all the all the um stuff that happened after the fight. So I'm thinking like, oh, maybe they booed him because they were big um Sean O'Malley fans and stuff like that. No, I was like, they booed him the second he got. They booed him the second they heard the decision. His entire interview, and I was like, oh, that's crazy. Henry, they see Henry. Woo! The only person I think that got booed worse than him was a uh, Belil. I think Belil got the biggest boos when he can't his walkout, everything about the fight, he was getting booed. Right, but he asked for that one. Aljo was like, bro, I just want some respect. Bro, I just want some respect. But yeah, this was a this was an interesting crowd. I don't know when the UFC going back to Jersey, but they said they love in the East Coast. They're talking um August nineteenth. They're going to Boston, TD Garden. Yeah, and uh, they might be. They talking about Yeri versus Jamal Hill might be set for that card, but that's just rumors. That's just circling rumors right now. But the person who put out that rumor, he did call like some fight. He has like a track record of calling some fights, and he says his sources are reliable. So we'll see. No, nah, that'd be crazy. They also trying to think. We'll get. We'll talk about it more later. But yeah, they got some shit coming for that card. You know, Dana White's from Boston. Oh yeah, that's true. Definitely would probably put up a big show. I, they better put Calvin Cater on that motherfucker. He's the Boston Bomber or whatever the fuck. Oh, that might, I don't think that's his nickname anymore after after the actual Boston Bomber. But that was his nickname. for. Uh-huh. <laughs> but, the, but the card itself, I thought was pretty. I mean, I've been on the last couple recaps talking some shit on the UFC cards. And even though that, that some people are saying that one had a better event overall this weekend, I still thoroughly enjoyed this UFC card. I mean, I... For the fights that happened on Saturday, talking Canelo Ryder and UFC 288, UFC 288 definitely was the better the better fights. 
You know, it's crazy to me when it comes to like hating on the UFC cards. I think it's cool. Like, it's okay to hate on a UFC card, but like they do so many a year. Like, I didn't know that as a as a non non casual before this. I didn't know that they do so many cards a year that every week it's UFC. I was like, oh, I thought it was like every other month or something. Like, I didn't know they was dropping these shits on a regular basis. So, like, I just imagine if the NFL was year-round or if the motherfucking NBA was year-round. I'm like, sometimes it's just not going to hit. And, like, as long as the ones that do hit, hit, it's all Gucci. Yeah, and, uh, I mean, the big ones by every couple months always seem to hit pretty good. We'll see how the Nunes and Aldana card goes. But usually the big pay-per-views typically do hold weight for a little while. And I also think last year was very – even though last year was my first year doing it, I think a lot of those cards just had to – were just banger of cards for no fucking reason. Like, last year had some hitting-ass cards. And, uh, I mean, we still we had, still had some, like, 287 was a banger, 288, and then uh, UFC uh, Kansas City. I think that was a banger. That's still my pick for, like, best fight night card of the year. Yeah, so far. And we had a lot of repeat fighters, which I think is pretty cool. Like, Gilbert Burns and Jessica Andrada, like, We've been breaking down their fights. I feel like they've had three fights this year so far. So it's just like, I, I kind of enjoy seeing that. No, that shit is crazy. Because, like, I was thinking people like Robert Whitaker, like, damn, I don't have even had one yet. We got uh, Dana White. I'm going to need you to um, handle that. And for the people that showed up for the prelims, like, I'm not always a prelim fighter. I'm not saying I am. But I do tend to make my way for the prelims on the big cards. And even the early prelims of this one, I mean, I – the first three fights, all KOs. Like, it kind of yeah. – you get that energy going early when he gets three straight KOs and all all in the first or second round. So, my only issue with the UFC part is – and it's because of their ESPN deal, people were saying. Like, because they're on a deal ESPN, they have to have so many commercial breaks. They have to fit in all these ads and everything. Unlike other pro- – like, one – people kept saying one was better because of the pacing. It's like, well, one doesn't have – a billion dollar contract with ESPN that means that they have to fit commercials in between every fucking fight and every fucking they're doing commercial they'll call one fighter to do a walkout and then commercial break and then they'll come back with commercial break both fighters in the octagon. I was just like like they they were fitting commercial breaks in between Bruce Buffer's fucking breasts if they could. Like they're even Bruce Buffer reading off his ads. He's like Matt Frivola and this is brought to you by Teo Tires. Like, they're fucking, like, they have ads on ads on ads, and that's the only issue, but, like, that's what happens when you make it to the big leagues. Like, if this was still old OG UFC, I feel like most of these cards would be done in an hour, hour and a half. But, so, that's, the, the pacing's the only issue, but it's just like, hey, this is what it is now. That's like complaining no, that's the three-point line in NBA. It's like, hey, bro, that's just, that's just what it is now. No, that's real shit. And, and um, Mad Max, my boy Max from the Bourbon and Bud podcast was bad. Not spazzy, but yeah. In the Twitter space yesterday, they had a Twitter space on Mondays. The mom, they were talking about that. And it was just, um, he was like, bro, you got to do it. And I'm just sitting there thinking, that's going to change one day, but it's not going to change while Dana White is here. Like, when Dana White retires and they hire some, like, Adam Silver-ass motherfucker that's trying to build everything to make everybody happy, they would be straight. And, like, it probably will because MMA will be so much of a bigger sport by then. But, like, I don't know, man. Sometimes sometimes you just got to eat the bullet, man. Watch some commercials. You don't yell at the Super Bowl for commercials. That's true. But when we did get the fights, the early prelims, they delivered three straight KOs. 
The one that I'm going to highlight the most is the Ikram Asakirov KO over Phil Hall's second fight on the card. Bro, it was a clean hit that just dropped him. Bro, Phil Hall's was in a different dimension for like a good 20 seconds. Asakirov nah. just learned of him, and people brought up how his only loss is 14-1, and the one loss is the Hamzat. And it was apparently a good fight before it was a first-round KO for Hamzat. But, like, that's Hamzat. That's what the motherfucker been doing that his whole life. Kill everybody. But, nah, motherfucking, that, that straight, I want to say it was a right, that straight right that he landed on, bro, was so solid. I saw that scene, I was like, I was, I seen a meme the other day. That it was like, hey, um, I I can chop anything. Hire me. I can chop anything. It was like chops wood, chops tire, chops bigger wood. I was like, yeah, that's that's the guy. That's the guy right there. Like the way that he came through with the vicious intent and just baptized, bro. And like, I feel like the other dude isn't a bad fighter either. But like, I want to see more. Of, how do you say his name? Uh, full name is Ikram. Ikram. Alice Kirov. Yeah, I got to see more, bro. He's an issue. And the middleweight's oh, wide open. Like, everyone knows there's not many hitters at middleweight division. So yeah, put, him, put him next to tell, – tell everybody he's African and put him next to um, Jacob's Duplessis. Let him not grow up. I don't want to be mad with that fight, but I got my my boy Robert is going to handle that. My boy Rob is handling all that right now. Mm. Then – um. Moving on to the prelims, I mean, Parker Porter got the KO. It was a good KO. Claudio Ribeiro, his KO is actually pretty nasty. But then on to the prelims, a couple of fights I'm going to talk before we get into the featured prelim is uh, Verona Jodorowsky. I'm sorry if I messed up her name, but she's legit. Like, women's strawweight keeps getting better and better. It's by far the best women's division in the UFC. But this girl is a fucking hitter. Like, Rodriguez was um, – was already, like, top five in the division. She wasn't, like, her only loss, uh, she beat Jan, who saw who we saw in the uh, main card. She beat Jan in a split decision. She got a unanimous decision over Mackenzie Dern and beat uh, uh, Michelle uh, Michelle Karate Hottie Waters. Yeah, so it's like she has a good resume. Her one loss was she got knocked out of Amanda Limos. And then now she just followed that up with a loss to Verona. So, like, she's a very tough opponent. And Verona went in there and made it look so easy. Three rounds, took her took her down every time that she could, mounted her, was changing positions, was trying to shoot for submissions. Like, she was legitimate. And, like, she looks scary. Like, that's one of the things. When I see her, she looks scary. And I'm like, yeah, Verona might be one of my new favorite strawweight fighters. <laughs> She she gave him big um Vandalay Silva in the dress vibes. That's what people were saying. I'm, I'm I'm not people, but people were saying that, and she definitely did fit the bill. <laughs> then uh the one controversy fight. I mean, there's a couple, but the Chaos Williams split decision over Rolando Bedoya. A lot of people thought Bedoya won. Bedoya came in off a two week notice. Uh, was not signed to the UFC, I believe. And Chaos Williams, I mean, he's a known fighter, pretty good fighter. He was like a minus 600 favorite on the money line. And yeah, it was a big, big, it was a big favorite. And Rolando, like, was the the more crisp fighter, was the more smooth fighter. But Chaos was landing some big right hands. But every time he landed, these right hands would put a lot of people out. Chaos Williams is known for knocking motherfuckers out. 
he would hit clean on the chin and Rolanda would just smile. He'd be like, yeah, yeah. And then just keep training with him. And it was, it was a good fight. I thought Rolanda won. I bet Chaos Williams. And I even said, like, oh, fuck. Like, I went to the decision, like, fuck, like, my bets are dead. Like, why did I throw that big-ass favorite in all my parlays? But then also split decision for Williams. I, I was happy. But I would say Rolando, like, both fill-in fighters on this card definitely showed up. Rolando was the first one we're going to talk about. I respect. I missed this one, but damn, I got to rewatch this fight. I got to rewatch this one. I can't wait for motherfucking this card to come back on ESPN Plus. And uh, Rolando is, I think, one of four Peruvian fighters in the UFC. Like, that was one of the things they showcased. Hey, fun fact. So, Kenny Florian, right? Former MMA fighter, right? Mm -hmm. Both his parents are Peruvian. So, John Anik, when he said that, he had, um, he got a text message from Bro, so they have a podcast together. And he was like, um, do I not count as Peruvian? So, motherfucking John Anik doubled back. He was like, hey, how about Kenny Florian? Why is he not being counted as Peruvian? And they was like, they was like, both his parents were born in Peru. She's like, yeah. He goes, huh, let me get back to you. And then they <laughs> told John Anik, they was like, he never rocked the flag. <laughs> got to rock the flag, right? So, who Sterling would tell you, you got to rock the flag one time. Never rock the flag, so he doesn't count as a Peruvian fighter. <laughs> hey, we don't make the rules Dana does. Hey, man. <laughs> That's how we do it. And then um, another one was the Kennedy Nushakshu. I can't say it. I, Kennedy, he got the KO over Devin Clark. And honestly, the first round it was, was a KO or a sub? Oh, no, it was a submission. My bad. But it was it was almost a KO on both sides because Devin Clark hit him with probably one of the cleanest right hand, overhand rights. And immediately just, he just fell back and he went straight to guarding up, guarding up. And Devin Clark is unloading. And then you hear Rogan in DC like, uh oh, I think he might gas out. And as soon as, soon as they said that, he definitely started gassing out because he was just unwilling. And then Kennedy kind of got his, uh, got back to his senses, got him in the clinch. Hit him with a couple of knees to the body that stopped him. And then from like the side of the clinch, just kept going, ooh, ooh. The, and then you see Clark drop to one knee. He well in some elbows. And somehow Devin Clark somehow fought through it. End of the round, second round, more of the clinch, more elbows. And then he gets uh, finally gets to the submission and the uh, fight's over. But I mean, for a good, it was a good, fun fight for like a firefight for a good first round, second round submission. But I like Kennedy, the African Savage, I believe his nickname is. And Jit is strong as fuck. My boy, you gotta be pretty gangster to get a name like the African Savage. But that was a pretty good, it was a good submission. I seen the submission on Twitter. I tuned in this. It was once I seen this, I was like, oh fuck. Let me go turn tune in this card. She's going crazy right now. Yeah, and it was a good lead into the feature prelim which everyone was all hyped for. I mean, even the commentators were saying, this is going to be the fight of the night. And, like, that was our pick for fight of the night. I don't know if it uh, – I'm not sure if he did. I'm pretty sure he got performance of the night, Matt Frivola, but I'm not too sure about the fight of the winners. But Matt Frivola again, the KO win over Drew Dopper. This oh. oh, my bad. Can I get a steam roll up? My boy is nice, dog. But continue. I just had to drop that in there. But continue doing what you were doing, big homie. Hey, I will say, people thinking it's an early stoppage, but I don't know. Like, Drew Dopper was kind of out of there for a little bit. And it, 
the I don't know. If that was a lot of people's argument after the fight. I don't give a fuck because I'm a steamroller fan. I bet on Matt Frivola. He was like almost a two to one underdog, plus like one sixty when I got him. It was a good day for me. And I mean, A one three stand up. That boy was putting on put on a show like South Gracie Tampa. I know he trained with Ray Longo. Ray Longo is a goat himself. He should be inducted. If they have a coaches Hall of Fame for the UFC, he probably should be one of the first ones to go. But man, he's still my A one three guy. So. Matt Frivola, and he called out Patty. Here we go. And he called out Patty after the fight. And Patty even answered. Patty got on. Like, he's willing, like he's willing to fight after he gets better or some shit. I don't know, but there's no way in hell the UFC is oh. right. And then he just comes in heavy, bro. This... See, like, right there, well, it's like... be over. Right there. It's just that he waited a second or two longer. But, like, when he had that sidearm clinch on top of him, just throwing hammer fists like this, like that, the fight should have been over about two seconds earlier. Right, you don't know reacting like, what, what you mean it's over? What happened? Oh, so he was pissed, bro. Dauber was pissed. Frivola even goes to try to, like, like show some, like, respect or whatever. And Frivola's uh, – Dauber's still, like, right here. He's trying to say something, and Dauber's still just arguing, arguing. But then he does eventually, like, uh, salute with him, but like he, you can tell Dauber's not happy about nothing going on right there. Boom! Right, and, and for all the audio listeners that don't see it, not watching it on YouTube, we're just we're just showing a video and reacting to it of the actual knockout right now. That's why there's a little bit of silence. No, that shit was a nice setup. It was a good fight. It was definitely fun. Definitely a lot of energy. Steamroller, he's he's welcome to the top fifteen, man. Welcome to the top 15. That was a good fight. Called out Patty. My favorite part about the shit is just I followed, I made my Instagram, I made my my MMA Twitter account on um just one random day. And then that just happened to be the day that this fight got announced. So like I followed Matt Favola and two days later he's already like, so I got to watch the entire process, like him posting every day and getting to this point. Also, yeah, I'm gonna fuck him up. And he did, man. That's three first round KOs in a row. I motherfucking that boy's earned his motherfucking number yeah now he's i believe he's ranked 14th now dauber was 15 i'm pretty sure i took him out of the rankings it uh, i mean that's our guy i'm still gonna be rocking with him. i hope he gets the patty fight and i think he will put a fucking halt to that patty steam train that's been going the fun fact though um ray longo said Ray Longo's looking like, bro, what do you need? We're past Patty Pimble. We're trying to go up. There's nothing but motherfucking time. There's nothing but opportunity once you get that number next year. Shit. Start finding motherfuckers. But he was like, but Dober didn't have to take the fight against me. So, like, why wouldn't I take the fight against Patty? And, like, don't get it wrong. It's going to be a money fight. And it'll probably be, um, it'll probably be a fight night main event, especially if they could do another London card. But I don't know, man. I, I prefer my boy continuing to go up. But if he fucks up, Patty, that's good, too. And then we move on into the fucking main card of 288. And I will say, so the prelims, I think, outsold the main card. because Out of the seven prelim fights, five were finishes, mostly in the first or second round, with two going to submission, one being controversial. Whereas the main card, four of the five fights ended up going to decision. One was a finish, and the one finish was electric, I will say. But the first decision on the main card, and probably the most boring fight by far of the whole night, 
Charles Air Jordan getting the Namus decision over Kron Gracie. And I mean, it was, it, it looked like two different tiers of fighters in there. Like, like Charles Jordan, perfect game plan, keeping the distance, circling, keeping the footwork going, takedown defense looking great. And boy, was his hands looking crisp. He was fucking just hitting from all types of angles. I fuck with Air Jordan. I think he has the best nickname in all of MMA. But that Air Jordan, that shit's so crisp to me. But yeah, like Crown Gracie and the Gracie family, get the fuck out of here. Like y'all time is over. Y'all keep that shit in BJJ. Go dominate the ADJCC. Go dominate over there, bro, because y'all's time in the MMA world is over. Not hey, man. Everybody on Twitter was upset. Like I seen, I was like, I was at bookmark that I seen a meme. It was like, yo, how ass is, how ass is Cron Gracie? And it was like a picture of, I can't remember exactly who this girl is, but imagine like Mia Khalifa, or like Lisa Ann or somebody. It's a, it was a fat ass. It's a super it was big old uh, booty. Yeah, no, they was like, how ass, how ass is Cron Gracie? And then another person, I swear, all he did was just post a picture of the Earth and was like, fuck Gronk, fuck. Cron Gracie. All my homies hate Cron Gracie. And I was like, bro, this is crazy. <laughs> Man, that shit, that shit was bad. And they loved that, like, hyped him up and everything. And it was like a pick him odds. I had Jordan. Uh, we picked Cron Gracie, but then as I actually put money onto it and I started listening to people that actually follow Cron Gracie and shit, and they're just making it so apparent, like, do not put your money on Cron. And I was like, okay, say less. Like, I'm gonna put my money on Charles Jordan. And like, it really, like, um, I think Dana White even said it looked like someone took a time capsule of 1995 when he was fighting. And it was just like, that shit's done and over with. Like, you can't, like, you can't be scooting your butt on the mat in the UFC, bro. Man, that's crazy. You definitely couldn't do that shit in Pride. You get your fucking face kicked off. <laughs> but and that's why Pride rules sometimes need to come back because of shit like that. Like, the, that whole, like, people using shit to their advantage. Oh, you can't do anything. Like, uh, like bro, like, fucking, if you're going to be butt-skewing, I should be allowed to throw a fucking knee at you. <laughs> then, our next fight, this was the other fill-in fighter that we're going to talk about here, but Monsar Evloff, I don't know, they, I didn't know how to say his name, but they the way they said it on the uh, show uh, completely blew me, it was like Ev, Evloff, but Monsar <laughs> gets the name of the decision over Diego Lopez, but man, Diego Lopez, Dana White talked to him after the fight. I guaranteed his money. I think he gave him money, uh, his win bonus as well. Gave him a legitimate contract. And a fun fact about Diego Lopez, do you know he is the grappling coach for Alexa Grasso? Current champion. Oh, wow. Yeah, so he's her grappling coach. And that I, when I saw him, he looked familiar. And I didn't know until someone pulled up the picture of him in the ring with Grasso when she won. And I was like, oh, that's where I've seen him before. And yeah, so he's been around. Bruh, Diego Lopez's stock did nothing but go up. Took the fight on five days' notice, came in, put him pressure on, bro. And you can see the five days' notice because he kind of slowed down a little bit in the second and third. But I'm not going to lie to you. I came in rooting against, bro, because like, I think he, he has the worst chest tat. I mean, the, what it says is fire. But I feel like that chest tat is not him. And then the haircut, I'm not a big fan either. You know how I feel about haircuts. Like, that's making it or break it for me as a fighter. Like, your haircut not hitting, we got it. We got to part ways, homie. But Diego Lopez got my respect. But who got my respect was Evelov. The fact that he fucking survived those submission attempts is fucking insane. 
first round, gets an arm bar that's fully extended, and then somehow squirts his way out of that arm bar. The fucking leg lock. Motherfucking Yeah, it was that. that he almost bent. Jasmine was watching, and she had to look away because I was like, I think he's about to break. I think that bitch about to break. And his leg was fully, it was just like that Muhammad, the Muhammad fight, and the leg was just fully bent. I was just like, oh, my. It was, it was pretty hard to watch. I really thought a bone was about to pop out in that leg lock. Not that bitch was supposed to bust. But he fucking kept it in there. I don't know how long he's going to. I think I'll give him some time between his next fight, but he showed true fucking grit because he should have tapped. Like everybody else in the world, a lot of motherfuckers would have tapped in that situation. And I'm giving my a lot of respect to Lopez because the way uh, Mossar has been able to just mull through everybody, he just mulled through every everyone he's fought. Namus decision, Namus decision. I mean, there's another Namus decision, but there's a Namus decision where. It wasn't. It wasn't really like you dominated, bro. It was a lot. Nah. Of, three times where there was a Kimura in the third round where he like he fucking rolled and they got the Kimura lock and then there was three times where you almost had a, a you lost that O next to your name like you almost had that one. Nah, the, and then thirty twenty seven is crazy. That was wild. That one I think twenty nine twenty eight I think is the what it should have been. After two other judges had twenty nine twenty eight. 3027 is crazy to me. Like, I don't, I'm telling you, I don't know. And they're saying, like, you're not scoring, they're not, they're not, you're not getting no credit from certain judges for being on bottom. And I'm like, at this point, that's what it looks like. I, I'm okay with that because, like, with situations like Cron Gracie, where you're okay with just being there and getting hit and not doing what, but like, whenever you're on your back and then you like reverse into a submission and then you have a, like, you're literally this close to the win. Like that should be counted to me as like a knockdown, almost. Like, like that's the equivalent of the submission. Like it's MMA. This isn't boxing. Like you, there's more to winning than just knocking you out. So like, what's the other side submitting you? Okay, so I was this close. That means to me, I think it should at least count as like a knockdown or like a wobble or a stumble, like something like very impactful. Right, and it causes damage, and that's the criteria. Damage, like. Go go sit in a fucking arm. Go sit in a heel hook for fucking fifty seconds and try to fight on a try to fight two more rounds. That's you gonna deal with a limp to leg damage. Uh, so can't wait to see what both these fighters do next. Lopez, I mean, I'm pretty sure. He, I mean, shit, he might get a top fifteen dude after this afterwards, just by how he just looked like off rip. Like you might not need to have to go through like the those early bums to get him ranked opponent. Like they might throw you back in with the wolves. <laughs> And you know Dana loves people that do favors for him. Facts. Uh, next fight, the only finish on the main card was Jan Zanian getting the first round KO over Jess- Jessica Andrada. And boy, it was a nasty counter that just dropped Andrada. And then she got on top a couple more hammer punches before the fight got up called. And, uh, I mean... I picked Andrada. I'm pretty sure you did too. I didn't. I didn't go big. I didn't look too big deep into Yawn to know that like she's a counter puncher. Like that's what she's known for. And Jessica Andrada, like I love her stand up because she's just a wild pit bull. Like she's throwing them, but it does seem to be like almost similar to Gilbert Burns. Like if you're gonna go up against somebody who is like a pristine striker, it kind of shows the gaps in your holes on uh, because you're throwing so many wild punches. You got the power there. The power is there, but you're just throwing wild punches at a certain point. And if someone is calculated enough to like counter punch you, 
it it did show. And I was like, damn, like Andrada, I think this lot this loss and then the Blanchfield loss, like she those two losses, I I I think it might be done for her at Stallweight. She'd probably get a couple more fights, but like she's not gonna be t- fine for a title anytime soon. Now that like Yawn and Blanchfield yeah. are like at the top tier, and then you still got Rose and her comeback coming up. I think she had a really, 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 really strong 2020, um, 2022, really strong 22, got the standing um, arm bar, got the motherfucking, she was, had a really strong 2022, and she came in this, in this 2023, like, yo, I'm gonna fight anybody at any time, and I think that's just the Brazilian warrior in her, but yeah, these last two fights did not go in her favor, and that's kind of killed all her momentum, I won't say she's done, but. I definitely don't see her as a like. I agree. I definitely don't see her as a um, title contender either. But yeah. she's a warrior, though. She's gonna take the fight. And Yon, they're already saying like, well, Dan already saying book it. Like he's gonna try to make a UFC China China card, and it's gonna be headlined with Zong and um Yon. And like, I mean, if I'm the owner of the UFC, like, I'm, even though Blanchfield, I think probably is the, in my eyes, the the real clear cut number one contender. Get out of the way, Blanchfield. Fucking, we going to China. <laughs> like, that's, that's not Dana White. And you know how fucking crazy you can make that because if you get into the right spot, if you go deep enough and make the right moves, you can get one of those fifty thousand people arenas. Like that shit could really go crazy. Yeah, and then you still got the Chinese like Song Yudong could be on the card. You got uh, Ling Jingling on the card. The uh, fucking. Mashati, even though he's on the, I think next to a Charlotte card, Mahashiti, like there's a whole bunch of Asian fighters to choose from now that are kind of making names for themselves. And they, and they got the PI out there in China, so they're trying to breed some more. And then uh, our co-main event, I mean, this is going to, there's a couple talking points here. You got Belil Muhammad, an Amherst decision win. Dana White saying now he's second in line after Wait. Kobe. What? There was something I wanted to say. About there was something Trump. I wanted to say about that last fight. Was it about? Uh, I can't remember. It was something somebody. What was the fight we talked before that? Uh, before the Yon Jessica Andrade was the Mossar Evolov versus Diego Lopez. Dang, I can't remember what I wanted to say about that Yon fight. So I remember. Oh, Teddy Atlas was there. So Teddy Atlas was um watching the fight next to Dana. And he's like, look at, look at, look at her right there. She's gonna get knocked out by a straight right because she keeps throwing hooks. And Teddy Atlas was like, yo, if I see somebody doing that in sparring, I'm immediately stopping because it looked like you really just throwing these shits out there. You're not calculating everything. You're gonna get killed. And she, that's exactly what the fuck happened. She threw. Like, you said she, that two minutes before. She threw four left hooks in a row. People were saying she's on her Ryan Garcia. People were saying she was on her Alex Vieira. <laughs> But she threw four, and they're like walking, like running in left hooks, and bam, right hand down the pipes. Walk straight into it. Uh, and I mean that. I mean, I'll, I'll come back to that on this because similar to Gilbert Burns, I felt like with Belial. But like, there's a couple talking points. First, Belial won Namus decision. Remember the name. Dana says he's gonna be second in line. Colby still first in line for the Leon Edwards fight. Uh, but he says definitely Belial right after that. And then <clears throat> Gilbert Burns left shoulder was compromised. It didn't seem like it was before it didn't seem like it was before um the fight seemed to maybe happen during I'm not too sure. No one really knows yet. And then 
Belial's ankle was blown up to like a balloon during fight week. And then he came out and did uh, come out and say, yes, I, my ankle was messed up. I messed it up during fight week. And yet it didn't seem like it really phased him at all when it came to the fight. So this fight was pretty cool. I mean, you could probably make an argument that um, Belial won every round. And she just was calculated. He was a really good striker. His left, that left kick, those high kicks, those head kicks were fucking crazy. Like he was really using them to keep the base. He kept switching. He kept switching stances, make keeping on Burns having to move, how to maneuver, confuse and shit. So like Bilal played a fight, fought a fucking perfect, not perfect fight, but fought a fucking awesome fight. Like it was great. And you got to even respect the fact that even though Gilbert Burns showed us compromised, like, he did something to make that happen. Like maybe he not, maybe like Gilbert probably may have reacted and that might've been what messed it up or something like that, or something I was nagging during fight week. And he really aggravated it during the fight. Give shout out to Gilbert Burns for being a war, but you got to give Bilal some respect, man. He got off a, he had a, he had a hurt ankle. He had, it was short notice. He already know he has to cut a shit ton of weight. And then the motherfucker, it was Ramadan. So like he was just going through it, but, and I'm going to get into it in a second, but yeah, you got a shot. I give a lot of respect for Daniel's win right here. He deserves the title shot. And I will say, because the same thing I said about Andrada, Gilbert Burns, this was the same point we were just talking about. Like, I was saying they throw these wild hooks, and yeah, they're powerful, but anyone that has any type of, like, good stand-up can go right through that because the straight right hand that Jan showed put out Jessica Andrada right. Belial doesn't have the power. But he kept just throwing straights. He wasn't throwing no wild hooks. He wasn't throwing no, like, spinning shoulders. He wasn't doing nothing wild. It was just straight up some couple leg kicks, a mean body kick that I felt like kept landing right on the fucking gut of Gilbert Burns. And then just just straight right, straight left that kept just piecing him up throughout the fight. I thought maybe we'll see Belial wrestle, show that he's not worried about the the, um, BJJ and stuff and, like, dominate that way. But this is back-to-back fights where Belial dominated in the stand-up. Like, maybe it's about time to stop talking shit on Belial. People seem to hate him. I really don't know why people don't like the guy. Like, yeah, he's a little cringy. He's not the best on the mic. He kind of seems a little bit like a fake personality on the mic when he's trying to sell fights. But, like, when it comes to fighting, yeah, he's boring. But, like, this guy is winning. Like, he is, like, stop. I just got people hate him so much that they don't want to give him any type of credit or respect. Kids are already like, oh, well, he, he beat a Sean Brady that didn't fight in over two years, and then uh, he beat a, a one-armed Gilbert Burns, but it took him five rounds to do it. Oh, wow. The, I'm like, bro, like, y'all really will discredit this man at any opportunity. Like, this like, this man really went out there and did that. No, it's real, man. I think it's easier to hate somebody. It's easier to get somebody's hate than somebody's love. And it's so much easier to keep somebody's hate than it is to keep somebody's love. So um, it's cool. I think I like it. I love it. I mean, he has a funny voice. Every time he talks, I always listen like, huh, he really talks like that. Like, I'm like, huh, that's interesting. But um, it is what it is. Like, you either got to you gotta hate it or love it, but either way, the underdog's on top. Shout out Gilbert Burns. I, I had beef, not Gilbert Burns, but Law Muhammad. I had beef for bro because he had knocked out Vicente Luque the way he did. But, like, we're not going to talk about that. We're just going to keep it moving. <laughs> and shout out Bilal, because remember, for a while, that was the most viewed video on the um, podcast. It was, like, Bilal versus Vincente Luque for, like, 79 yeah. views. We the fight eating. night. We was 
we was eating. I was like, yeah, you can't fuck with us. <laughs> oh, man. That was some times ago. It's been like a little bit over yeah. a year now. No, nah, definitely over a year. This <laughs> is definitely before last summer. Uh, but, I mean, if you didn't score that fight 50-45 or 49-46, I don't know like, what house you would have scored it. I think Belial dominated. Kobe, I, I don't. Kobe must have some dirt on Dana. He must, he must have some fucking dirt that Dana doesn't want anything to come to light today. Because there's, I just don't. I've never seen another case of a fighter that just hasn't fought and like been active in like a year and a half. And it, his his wins are over Tyron Woodley, who's not even in the UFC, and the Dana White hates. Like he would, like he would say he's probably one of the worst champions everywhere ever, ever, just because how much he hates him. And then over like a Jorge Masvidal, which also is not in the UFC anymore. And so it's just like I don't know. I've never seen Dana White or heard of this. So like Dana White and Kobe are their best, best, best buddies, or he got some dirt on Dana because he's just keep he's keeping that motherfucker in the front of the line no matter what. And it's crazy because he was gonna drop him at one point, but like Donald Trump, I feel like Donald Trump has something to do with this, but um. <laughs> I can see it, Donald and Kobe, bro. Yeah, Donald, like, Dana's like, Donald probably told Dana, like, hey, man, make my boy a champion. He's like, hey, man, I don't fix fights, but, like, I can do it. I'll try to do what I can do. And it's just a curveball. I just think Leon's going to end up being the most annoyed champion of all time. Like, just annoyed. He got, he got to deal with. You got to deal with um everybody saying um who's going to fuck you up. Now you got to deal with the whole Kobe um press conferences. And then you got to deal with Bilal. Like, you're going to be praying to get the shot cut and just to get, have a motherfucker that don't talk. I'm praying for those for those, for those those press conferences. Nah, I, shit. I can't wait for them. I'm still going to – I'm still going to watch those fights. It doesn't matter who's next, but uh, I'm still going to watch. I think they're all going to be great fights, too. Yeah, I I think they're legit. I think Shaw, I think those three are the top three in the division. Like, Shawcott, Kobe, and um, Bilal. I think – I. Even if Kobe hasn't been active, I still think he's top three in the division with that. I don't know. Maybe Usman. Don't forget about Usman and Chamayev, man. Chamayev's still top three at 170. Uh, but I'm not sure if he'll ever fight because Dana doesn't want him at 170 because he couldn't make weight. So, like, yeah, so, like, he's going to be middleweight, but even then his last middleweight fight was Gerard Mearshart, and, like, he's unranked. So, I don't know. in a weird spot, too. He still says he's uh, going fight. They're waiting. But but Uzma said he, he wanted his head, and I don't see Uzma going up in weight, so I don't know, man. Uzma better not take that. But that would be that would be he's gonna be on his Peter Yan side if he that takes that fight. That that'd be death. But like somebody has to take the fight. Oh uh, shit! I think Shawkar and Hamzat. I mean, they 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 stopped the beef, but there was a good a week where they were taking shots at back and forth because both of them nickname is the Wolf. So they were taking shots back and forth on who was actually the wolf. And um, that's why you saw that one video of Shopcott with the wolf that was like half dead that they shot and they posted it. It was a shot at Hamzat, like I'm the wolf slayer kind of thing. Like I, I hunt wolves. I don't know. It was just like a mm-hmm. weird thing. Like it was never like actual like I want Shopcott. It was this little post on Instagram where like if you weren't really in like keeping up, you wouldn't have known. So I, I kind of got filled in with that. But then – since then, I think they met up and they became they're now their buddies. Like they because I guess um both their countries are friendly 
So they're like, we've been, our country's been friendly. They've been brothers for hundreds of years. Like, da, 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 da. you know, they went like the Muslim route of like, we're still. I, I, I got to say, that's so crazy how that works in certain places. Like, yeah, our countries, we can't do it. Like, it's crazy. It's powerful. But in all in all, shout out Bilal Muhammad, 170. And he said that he's the coolest thing he said was that the fact that he didn't, he knew he had to take this fight. He was, it was short notice. He's fresh off of Ramadan. You got to cut weight, and then you get the injury while you still have all this cut weight. He could have asked to move to postpone it, but he was like, nah, I'm not fucking anything up. And I think, and I think this works on both in both ways because um, he said, nah, I'm not fucking anything up. He said, I'm at my closest to God. I'm about to fight my best. And like, I haven't seen a lot of Bilal fights, but what I saw was a calculated motherfucker that could probably strike with Leon Edwards if you try, if you really, really, really can just stay on point. But I also think it's the same thing from um, the opposite for Gilbert Burns. I think Gilbert Burns wanted that shot too bad. And I think if he had got this fight, maybe like in August, especially since Kobe and Kobe and Leon probably are, um, aren't going to sign the deal like tomorrow. So like they're still going back and forth with those negotiations. So you got to wait for that fight and then wait afterwards. I would have to keep waiting for this fight and then save this fight for like July, August. Let me actually get like a not a full full camp, but get right a little bit, heal the best of body a little bit. But that's what we're saying because he lost. Because if you get more, we'd be like, "Yo, bro." Yeah. No, I. I won't. Yeah. No, I. I kind of agree because I mean, this was what his third fight in the last than four months or some shit. That's a hundred six days. <laughs> yeah, Brazilians, man, they built different. Bro, they're built different, bro. Uh, on uh, the last fight on the card for 288, the biggest fight right here, went to decision. It was a split decision where we saw Aljamain event, Aljo Sterling himself retain the Bantamweight title, beating Henry Cejudo. Three judges scored it 48-47, 48-47 Sterling. One judge had it 48-47 Cejudo. There's been a lot of debates back and forth on who won. One issue that people have with the scorecards is one of the judges that gave it for Sterling gave the fifth and final round, which is almost universally agreed upon that Cejudo won that final round, is that he gave it to Sterling. And if he would have gave Cejudo that final round instead, Cejudo would have been the slip decision winner here. So that a lot of the controversial thing, I um, a lot of people like to say Robert Whitaker fans are the two three five committee because of the um, the Izzy uh, Rob fight, they think Rob won two round two three five, and that's what they're. I am the Henry Cejudo two three five committee because I felt like Henry Cejudo won round two three and five, uh, even though round two and three were extremely close, and that's why I will not say it's a robbery like some people will, are gonna say. I think it was a really close fight where um, Sterling won. And you know, sometimes they say it's like with champions and stuff, like you gotta beat the champion. You can't, you can't go, you can't go 50-50 with the champion because the champion's always gonna get that, get that little extra call, that extra push. And no, you, you can't go 50-50. You gotta beat the champion. And I don't think Cejudo beat him enough for him to win a decision. I thought he won the fight. Also, maybe because I picked him. Maybe it's because he's Mexican. Maybe because I bet on him. I don't know. But I, I close ass fight, good ass fight, and. For a motherfucker that ain't fighting like three years, he looked pretty good. Henry Cejudo is Mexican by 
relates by relationship, not by blood. <laughs> his family is Mexican, so he just happens to be Mexican. But um, I think this fight was very interesting because it could have went a lot of different ways. I think Henry Cejudo came in with the best game plan and neutralized Aljamain Sterling. And Aljamain Sterling showed why he's why he's the champion and why he's so much better. Why he's one of the best in this division full of killers. Motherfucking the fact that he took him down. Like, I thought he lost the first round until he got back up. And then he took him down and stole that round. Same. But I, I, was, I thought that was the second half was all Sterling. He won that round. Yeah, I would. But I wouldn't be mad if a judge gave that to Henry. And then the second round. This is where shit gets interesting. So I think Aljamain Sterling won the second round. But it was so close. That if a judge gave that to Henry, I'm not tripping. You feel me? So, like, that's because that's the way you got to come with the judges now. Like, I'm not tripping if it goes the other way on this round. But the third round, and this is also where I was wrong, because I thought the first and second round, those were going to be Henry's best round. I didn't think he was going to be able to keep up the pace. I didn't think he was going to continue to stop the takedowns. I didn't think he was going to continue, especially that front headlock he was getting. He was really using that to really um control Aljo. And that when he came in that third round and balled out, it was him. He was him. Henry really did that. So I would if you gave Henry the second round, I wouldn't have been tripping, and I definitely would have gave him the third round. The fourth round is what I would have gave Aljo. Like Aljo got there. That's what he started. That's when he started figuring out his striking. And then that's when he started really taking, really getting right. And, and this is where he lost me in the fifth round. Because in the fifth round, I really thought he was gonna, this is when he takes off. This is when he shows like I'm the champion. I'm dominant. I'm about to let these let these punches go. I'm gonna attempt to finish him. Like you feel me? I really thought he was gonna like go ham, and he didn't do none of that. And I was just like, oh, this is why people hate on Aljo. Because I also I underestimated Henry Cejudo. He definitely came in here and looked fucking awesome. You couldn't tell that he missed three years for nothing. Came with a, a high. It was a high IQ fight, and he came in with a higher IQ. But motherfucking. I understand why people hate Aljo because I'm like, oh, you didn't, you were, this is when you were supposed to take off right here. This was your easy moment. This is when you were really supposed to like go ham, fuck him up and show everybody like, yo, this is my division. Let's get the fuck out. But he <laughs> didn't do that. He kept his game plan. He kept doing, he kept going. And then Henry was like, I'm not trying. Um, Henry was like, I'm trying to keep winning this round. So I'm a motherfucking wrestle my ass off. So like, I respect it. The fight could have went either way. So, like, either decision, I wouldn't have been tripping. I was like, I was just happy that they gave it to my dog, Aljamain, and he won that bitch. But when Henry said that he won the second, fourth, and fifth, that's when I was like, okay, bet. This is how I know you didn't. That's how I know you didn't win the fight. And I know for a fact you ain't won the fourth one. If you had said that you won the third round, I would have been like, damn, you might have won. But no, 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 no. If you say you were in the second, fourth, and fifth, okay, I know you lost. Yeah, and I mean, Three years, I don't. It didn't look like I was worried about that. Three years ring rust. I was worried about the size. Like that, was, people are like, "Oh, look, he took down Henry Cejudo." I'm like, "Bro, like, Aljo's also big for bantamweight." And Henry Cejudo, people will be like, "Forget, like, he didn't wrestle at 135. That was not his wrestling weight class." Like, when people bring up his wrestling accolades, he was like at I think like 115 or 120. He was a one of those. I can't remember the weight class, but he was a he was in the fucking small ass weight classes. When he won gold and did all that. I'm guessing he started at one. I'm I'm guessing he started at one three, then went to one twelve. Yeah, like he was, he's really short. He's only five four. Yeah, he's real small. So like that, I know he won gold at fifty five kilograms, and which is one twenty. 
but throughout college and everything else, he got like put on weight. Like he didn't start off at yeah. one hundred twenty. So like he, so Aljo yeah. being like, yeah, with Aljo like what like one on fight day he's like one hundred and forty five pounds probably a hundred like oh big as shit. Right. Right. Yeah, he so like, tall, like, oh, he took down Cejudo. I'm like, well, Cejudo was also a flyweight for a lot of his career. They went to bantamweight, and now he's and like at bantamweight, he's at fight day, he's still probably 135. Like he's still he's not putting on much more weight. I'm like Sterling. I'm like I'm just saying like when people are like, oh, Cejudo, like people say, like he wasn't able. To, he has like 20 pounds on the cat, and he's the bigger, so, taller guy. I I you kind of, I gotta disagree with that one because I don't think after watching that fight I don't think anybody besides Marab is really taking down Tenny Cejudo in that weight class like that was a pretty big deal like I wouldn't flex it me personally but that is a pretty big deal because like his wrestling IQ is so crazy the fact that he got that inside leg trip in the first round knowing that he had to get those things the fact that he was working from the double underhooks and the front headlock all fight was fucking insane like. If Aljo was a little bit more of a scrub, he would have been able to put him in some really dangerous positions just because of how hard, how well he, how patient he ran, and how how patient he ran his defense and how how reactive he was with the sprawls. And like there was a lot of times he had Aljo, who's a great wrestler, with a knee on the back of his head. So I was like, oh, oh, Henry Cejudo's nice. Yeah. So, so taking him down four times is respectful. Like, I respect that you do. I didn't think he was going to be able to take him down. I was like, bro, stop fucking wrestling. Like, I understand that you're the Mr. Backpack, but you're killing him on the feet. You're killing him with the strikes. He's not really tagging you like that. You're not taking damage. Stay on the fucking feet. Yeah, so that's my whole thing. I'm like, outside of Sterling, who probably won't be in the weight class much longer, like, everyone else in Bantamweight are gonna be, aren't going to be as big. And other than Marab, there's the only other person. Like, Marab and Umar are going to be the two people who I would like to see Cejudo wrestle with to see who actually, like, because those are similar in sizes and weight and everything. But, like, yeah, Aljo took him down. Like, that was, I just felt like people were, like, flexing that super heavy online. Like, oh, well, I thought Cejudo couldn't be, t- oh, having to miss the gold medal. Like, Aljo was out on him. I'm like, bro, he had 20 pounds on him. Like, they're, like, bro, the big I, guy. I got it. I got to disagree with you, Paul, because the entire buildup, they was talking about it. And then, um, Cejudo's trying to go to motherfucking 145, and he's pretty buff, so, like, I respect it, but he's short. That's just the difference. I think if he was taller, he would be a fucking fiend at 155. Like, a taller fiend, like, he would be, he wouldn't even go to 145. He'd be at 155 killing shit. Fuck all that Dagestani wrestling shit. But, um, that's what I'm saying. Like, I respect what they're talking about. Like, everything... This is the first fight I've ever agreed with everything. Like everything everybody said, and I was like, "Yeah, you got it. Yeah, I I, I can see where you're coming from, homie." <laughs> no, ah, that's just the one thing because I, I, if he took him down a couple times and it was just a couple shots, but I think what was the official record? It was four of fifteen on yeah, four of fifteen on takedowns. I'm I understand Cejudo's background, but I was on the I just people were flexing it like he was like almost effortlessly. I'm like, bro, they're like Cejudo wasn't like fucking. It's just the size and weight and everything. Yeah. I just felt like he had the weight advantage, which is kind of there's a reason why his weight classes in wrestling like that. Like there's just sometimes like if you are the bigger guy, you can win in certain positions because you just have more force power and yeah. stuff. Technique takes you so technique can beat a lot of people, but when there's certain people that have good technique and have weight on you, it's kind of then you kind of losing that battle. Uh, 
I'm not gonna lie to you, Paul. When it comes to the wrestling dark, I'm not gonna lie to you, mate. Like I it's tough because I think the fact that he got a lot of those the takedowns that he did get was based off of like tenacity, tenacity, tenacity. And he was getting in the right positions, especially when especially like in the first round when he got the takedown. Um that's tough though. Like I'm saying, like I think if, when it comes to that wrestling, like if Aljamain's in a 100, Henry Henry Cejudo's in if Aljamain got the 100 ranking, no, 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 Khabib has the 100 ranking, and Aljamain has like the 90, the 93. Henry Cejudo has a 92.5. Like, I guarantee. I mean, was, like, he did I, win. I respect it because they're like this. Like, he did, I actually, in the day, he did win. And I agree with your argument to an extent because, like, I think pound for pound, even though they're in the same weight class, but like on some normalized shit. Sudo might Sudo's the better wrestler. Yeah, it's that was the like, whole thing. It's just the weight difference. That's the whole thing. And I'm not even calling him a weight bully or anything. Like you know, some people would. That's not even my point. I'm trying to think. I'm just like, yo, like he's just bigger guy. Like so, like they they could have the same amount of good wrestling. It's just now he has the weight. I think Sudo's the better wrestler because he has um more. He has more Greco experience. So like Aljamain's folk style and probably did a little bit of freestyle as training and stuff like that. Henry Cejudo wanted to go to freestyle, but if you look at those underhooks that he was getting to um, neutralize that shit, you can't do that in freestyle. The fuck? Ah, beat your ass if you try to be like that in freestyle. Ah, drop this shit and turn. Motherfucking he was really killing his ass with those. those every time, he, especially early in the fight, when he was killing, especially in the third round too, those front headlocks and those underhooks, front headlocks, of course, you can get those in freestyle all day, but those underhooks was like, oh yeah, he was really mixing it in it because he knows that up Aljamain doesn't have the upper body, the upper body techniques and shit like that. Even though his body lock was nasty, I think if Aljo didn't have that body lock because his arms are so much longer, like motherfucking, I don't know if he's really um stop if he's really getting out of those positions that Hitsuhudo has put him in. But oh. at the end of the day, I respect both of them boys to the fullest. I think they're really great. I think Henry Sahuda was a champion. He's a great champion. He deserved. He earned every accomplishment he's ever he's ever received. No, he never took. I feel like he's never um taking the easy way out. And same thing with Aljo. I feel like he's him. He's just yeah. no. He is I, like outside of Marab. I don't think anyone beats him in the weight class right now. Like Umar, maybe, but Umar's still a few fights away from that. And uh, that's gonna bring me into the second thing because we're almost we're nearing almost an hour here. So I gotta bring this up before we get there so we can head out. Is um. Sean O'Malley, Daniel White puts him in the ring. He lets him come in there. They get the little face off. Uh, did you like or did because Daniel White afterwards was like, yeah, that was one of my worst mistakes. Because almost I guess a brawl yeah, was... almost did a brawl almost happened. I guess they were getting a little bit more aggressive than what he thought that would have happened. My boy Marab stealing jackets on top of the cage. That was probably one of the best moments of, of the whole year, probably. That that might make like a full year countdown. That was one of the GOAT moments. So he's on top of the cage. Ah. Uh, like and he's up there like this. He turns around to sit on the cage like, what? What am I doing wrong? Like, it, it, <laughs> Marab's a funny guy, but with the face off itself, like, did you? Because you can look at it as one or two ways. One, you like it because you know that's the next fight. Again, that pre-fight jitters already going, getting the hype brewing, or you don't like it because you're taken away from Sterling's moment in the cage. Like instead of him being able to sit there and enjoy the moment. Fucking next, his next opponent is already in his face talking shit. They can't give him that little moment. I think it's just perfect. 
But um, and it's a fight that needs to sell a lot, and it's probably not going to be the main event. But if it is, it's probably going to be in Boston if it's a main event. But um, Sugar Sean O'Malley was sitting next to Aljo's mom and like sister, their fiance and family and shit like that. And they were like nervous as fuck before the fight. And Sugar Sean was in that bit talking like, hey, no, 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 no. I'm just going to do good. Don't worry. Don't worry. He's going to be great. Imagine being them. And then next thing you know, she goes into the octagon and he does all that shit. You're like, you're looking like, what the fuck? Like, the I thing? hope you look better than you did today. You look like yeah, shit. I, <laughs> I was like, God like, damn. And, and what he was and uh, what he was saying wasn't even disrespectful like that to me. Because I feel like that's just like, I feel like that's what he was saying. He's like, bro, you better be better than that. And I think if he if he wrestles, I know that um, Sean O'Malley isn't coming harder than Cejudo. But um, I just didn't like the energy he came with. Because, like, Aljo, I feel like Aljo is going to be on some funny shit. Because, like, the first thing he says, he says, sugar, bring that sweet ass. And I'm just like, okay. Like, okay, this is about to be funny. And then immediately, and then Sean O'Malley just comes fired up. Maybe he was, like. Maybe he's just been like brewing the itch in the fight. Like he's been waiting for this one. He's been brewing. He's been really sitting on the edge. So that's why he did it like that. But I ain't like it for, I feel like he could have, it could have been funny. It could have been smooth. It didn't have to be respectful. But I feel like Sean O'Malley just ain't had no jokes written down. He ain't had nothing for the WWE promo. Cause then, and then Aljo exposed his ass. Nobody even said shit about him turning down the fight. I was like, oh, he did what? He did what? No drama in the oh. Oh, he did what? Oh, I hope you betraying the BJJ. That's what Aldo got saying too. I hope you betraying your BJJ. I hope you. That's, that's all this man's been training for for a year. But yeah, he's um and Sean O'Malley. Um, I think that thriller jacket was dumb hard, but um, yeah, I didn't really like it. I think Marab, Marab, Marab doing what he did with the jacket, maneuvering it, and then posting it on Twitter, posting the shit on Twitter the next day. That's what saved that. Because if not, them boys would have just been lame as fuck. We'd have looked like these WWE ass jits. Who wore it better? Oh, Marab, all day. Marab, right? <laughs> like, Marab, clean killer with that bitch, huh? Uh, Marab, hey, he actually looked good at the motherfucker for real. Like, he looked, and then he posted a picture like. Nah. <laughs> 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 Marab's hilarious, bro. And then the, the, when we really watch the video, you see his face because he like picks it up off the ground, and you see his face like a child, like getting like started getting a little smile, a little smirk on it. And he puts it on. He's like, <laughs> he's just like having a good. He's just bobbing his head with a little smile. I'm like, look at this evil motherfucker back here, bro. <laughs> nah, but I. I mean, so yeah. Great. It, I thought it was a great press, like. I'm not the big Aljo fan. A lot of Aljo fans are like, oh, bro, you should have let Aljo have his moment. Like, he just beat what y'all thought was the greatest fighter of all. But, nah, that New shit was comedy. New Jersey didn't let Aljo have his moment. <laughs> no, he did not, bro. New Jersey did not fuck with Aljo, which is kind of crazy. You got to go to Brooklyn. Go go headline the Barclays. See if they fuck with you over there. They don't fuck with you in the Barclays, but just, yeah, just go to go to, um, go to one. Go to one. The boys are doing, the boys want to do you over there. All right, and before we head out, I'm a, if you had to pick one opponent for Aljo next and one opponent for Cejudo next, who would it be? Oh, man. Cejudo versus um, Max Holloway. And you think, Max, uh, you think Max goes down a division or Cejudo goes up? Nah, Cejudo got to go up. He's a rapper because, like, I feel like all he does is – all he can do is really fight Marab. I mean, he probably beats Sanhagen. 
Um, well, that's what a lot of people are saying. He might just get the Marab fight because, like, Marab had nothing to go. And, like, a loss to Cejudo don't really hurt you back that much. And a win, like, he just – y'all both have nothing to do. Yeah, and then, like, it's really – but I think I would save that for, um, like, a vacant title fight. I would want to see him fight, like, some random shit. Because, like, I don't want to see Sean O'Malley lose the, um, lose the championship – Lose a championship fight and they get a vacant title fight. I feel like that's kind of late. Uh, if Sohudo, I, I, outside of Rob, I don't really care for him because I don't want to see him fight Corey Sanhagen. I don't want to see him fight Song Yudong. Um, like there's like maybe Umar. Umar gets the the super jump up into the next opponent. Like that's how his his way of breaking into the top five is fighting Sohudo. That'll probably be my put pick. Would probably be Umar if it's not Marab. And Sterling, I mean, he's not. I mean, I mean, you beat Cejudo at this point, and now I can't even pick your next opponent. It's already been done for us. Like, it's going to be Sean O'Malley. And then I'll just say after that, I hope he moves up. The start. So then we can see Marab fight more. I, the only reason I want to move up more is because I want to see Marab actually more active and in the mix. Yeah, I think yeah, and I think that's all it is. Like, that's his best fight because that's going to be, like, his best presser. That's going to be what probably brings the most money for the pay-per-view points, all that good shit. And then it's just going to be like, okay, now you kind of solidified, solidified yourself to bantamweight. You realize that people are going to hate you regardless and just keep it moving. And if you'll go all the way back to when we picked Yon versus Sterling, the, the, the second fight, when one of our very first breakdown of their fight was Sterling versus Yon too, I, I literally brought up on there because there was a rumor that was circling from his camp that said, like, if Sterling wins, he's only going to fight maybe one or two times in the weight class and then move up because his, uh, his, uh, staple mate and i didn't know much of him at the time so i was just like his staple mate marav he says he's gonna be the next champion and he's not gonna fight his um staple mate or whatever and it's so crazy that two years later basically now is like holy like all that shit actually ended up happening like it was just a rumor that i just pushed out there from what i heard and like it turned out to be true marav was a killer marav is the actually probably the next champion possibly was all signs pointing to and Sterling is only going to take two or three more fights in the weight class before moving up. So, I mean, Sterling, his two-year plan looked fucking spot on. No, nah, dead ass. I can't remember who Marab fought last. And then that was the fight. I was like, oh, that's the dude Paul was talking about. Like, okay. Yawn. When you fought Yawn and did like 60 take, they broke the record for the UFC. You know he's like number two or number three in Bantamweight history for takedowns and takedown attempts. And they were showing like Cejudo is like, uh, Sohudo's like second. I, I owe some crazy statistics. Like Sohudo's at like let's say a hundred, and he's second, and he has like all he has all these fights in bantamweight. Like he has all this track record, and it was like Marab like six fights in, fucking third. And it was just like oh uh, shit, like fucking Marab is just doing it at a different pace than everybody else. Oh uh, yeah, but that was a great card, man. I enjoyed the fuck out of that shit. It was a, and it was fun to watch in the after shit afterwards because this is one fight I. One card I watched like pretty much every interview and every press conference. I was like, yeah, let's go see some shit. I'm gonna go watch some steamroller shit later. Shout out that boy, um, what's his name? Tom. That boy's on podcast. I'm gonna go check that shit out, see what them boys are talking about. But man, great fucking week of fights, man. We didn't even bring up the one card, but like shout out Demetrius Johnson. That boy looks like he's retiring. So motherfucking guys W. But damn, great fucking card, man. This was a fun ass episode. We haven't done an hour of podcast. Our our episode in a while, Paul. It's been a minute. Two eighty eight was a banger. The crowd showed up. The prelims showed up. 
the main card showed up. I love it or hate it, but Leo Muhammad is number two contender as of right now. Sterling is so far, what is it, nine fight win streak in the um in the band weight, and then uh, Sahuda. We'll see what's up with him. Jan, new strawweight contender. Will maybe we'll be breaking out UFC China in the next couple months, hopefully. And Jessica Andrada and uh, Gilbert Burns. Maybe y'all should just take a little six month break. Get that. Let, let go back to Brazil and chill, chill for a little. There you go. But then, this has been a t- if you didn't know, we're gonna tell you, motherfuckers, that this has been a totally blitz podcast, man. We've been chilling with this bitch, talking that UFC shit with you, man. So make sure you stay tuned. Make sure you're checking stuff out. We still got our Dre Miley interview up. So make sure you go check out our first interview with a pro fighter. And make sure you tune into the live stream. The live streams are always going to be coming crazy. But if you didn't know, I don't mind telling you again that my name is Kev Waterboy Savoy. I'm in this bitch with Paul Pickham, Warner Kacha, and that this is the Totally Bridge Podcast. And you, you, and the person that's watching your ass, you don't even know it, is a bitch.